Amen. Hey, real quick, just kind of give God a hand of praise real quick. Just kind of give him, just say hallelujah. Come on, just, just thank him for a moment. Thank him to be in this place. Hey, welcome to Victory Church. You guys can be seated. Uh, I want to say also welcome to everybody watching online. It's so excited to be together as a family this morning. Um, go on, uh, give a little shout out to the band real quick this morning. Come on, thank them for what they do. We're so blessed to have them. Uh, I want to give just a couple of quick announcements before we jump into the word this morning. First announcement, if you, thank you, sir, if you are visiting with us this morning, whether you're visiting with us in person or online, I want to encourage you to do me a favor, and that is text the number that's coming up on the screen. It'll be on the TVs here. You can just text VICTORY18 to the number. It's on the screen, 31996. And what that does is that's going to give you a digital connection card. And so we're trying to do the best we can to stay contactless during this season and obviously uh, being as safe as we can for you and your family. And so when you text that number, it'll shoot you a little digital uh, connection card. And if you'll fill that out, that'll give us some information so that we can reach out to you and connect with you and answer any of your questions. Also, if you are visiting with us and you're in the building, uh, if you feel comfortable, I would love to encourage you and your family to just kind of step out in the lobby after service and meet my wife and I. We'd love to just hear your story, maybe answer any of your questions and just say, hey, uh, so exciting to have you here. So again, text the number or you can, if you're here in person, meet with us in the lobby. Also, in regards to giving, if you're looking for ways to give to Victory, obviously, if you're watching online, you already know that you can give through the website and the text to give, uh, as well as the website here. But we've also recently put a box right outside the door uh, for somebody who might want to give cash or like to write a check, again, to try to stay contactless during this season. And so as you're walking out, you'll see that box in the back. I uh, just wanted to let you know it was there. Last but not least, in this series... We are very passionate, and we've been talking about this for weeks now, uh, encouraging you to journal, to journal during this series. And so I just want to encourage you to maybe get, look into getting a paper Bible. If you don't have one, we'd love to give you one, as well as a journal. And it just gives you the opportunity to write some of this stuff down. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine Friday night, and he was just talking about all the journaling that him and his wife are doing through this series. And here's some of the reasons why I encourage it, in case you're wondering. Uh, probably the main reason is that this series will come to a close on Easter Sunday, and when it does, you're going to be able to look back into your journal and see things that the Lord showed you, see things that you learned about these scriptures, and be able to remember them from you know, years to come, as well as use that information uh, to be able to share it with your friends and people that may ask you questions about the Bible or questions about Jesus and so on. And so you say, hey, you know, I remember Troy talked about that one week. Let me go get my journal and you can open it up. And then there's the information and it gives you uh, resources to be able to have those conversations. And so uh, in case you haven't been with us the past couple of weeks, we've been in a series called The Journey. And so what we did about 20 weeks ago is we just took the book of John, we started at chapter one, and we've just been going through that chapter with the idea of building uh, our, our belief of who God is. And then we said on Easter Sunday, we will show really how, how you know you can believe those things. And then the Sunday after Easter, we'll start the book of Acts that will be about now that we know what we believe, how do we live what we believe. And so again, I'm just really excited about this whole year, kind of building those beliefs and then moving the rest of the year through. All right, now how do we live it? I think our culture, the one thing it needs the most are people who believe in Jesus living like they believe in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, and so if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of John chapter 14. John chapter 14 is where we're going to be. Uh, the past couple of weeks, let me tell you what we've established. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about building or we talked about the foundational belief that was we can trust Jesus 
for our salvation. And so that was kind of the basis, like, hey, if you're going to journal about something, the very first thing you need to journal about is here's how you can, here's how you know you can believe and trust Jesus for your salvation. And last week we talked about the truth that Jesus, people will know we are the disciples of Jesus by how we loved and how Christ was very clear about loving other people the way that he loved us. And we talked about that and had an illustration for that. And so hopefully you got some great notes from that. And today we are talking about something that um, you'll see is a little bit controversial and maybe a little bit questionable, possibly even for you if you are a believer of Jesus. And so we're going to jump right into it. John chapter 14, we'll start at verse one. And it says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now understand this. Uh, we've been leading up to this. Jesus has been telling his disciples, I'm going to leave and where I'm going, you're not going to be able to follow. And so there's been some anxiety building up in them. And so that's why you see Jesus starting off saying, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Chill. You believe in God, right? You believe in God. So believe also in me, Jesus says. And then he goes on to start talking about, uh, you know, heaven and eternity. He says, my father's house has many rooms. And if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? So Jesus says, would I have said all of that if it wasn't true? Of course not. He says, so if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss book, right? And so he says, if I'm going to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and get you and take you so you can be where I am. And Tom, uh, go, go back for a second. So um, take you to be also where I am. You know, watch this, this is important. Jesus says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Now that's going to be really important here. Jesus says, you know the way to the place where I am going. Now remember, Jesus has told them, I'm going somewhere that you can't go. And this was a surprise to them in general. The, the disciples thought Jesus was going to end up having the throne and all these different things. So the fact that he was leaving was a shock in its own. But now Jesus is saying, you know where I'm going. And watch what Thomas says. I think this is the kind of response I would have had. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how could we know the way? We don't even know where you're going. So how can we know how to get there? That'd be as if one of you came up to me in the lobby after church and said, hey, you want to eat lunch together today? And I said, yes. And you said, all right, see you at the restaurant and left. I'd be like, I don't even know how to get where you're going because I don't know where you're going. This was so, you know, Thomas is just like point blank, man. I don't know how to get there because I don't know where you're going. And Jesus answered, uh, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And then watch this. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. Now that, that no one in the Greek means no one, okay? No one comes to the Father except through me. I want to talk to you for a moment from this concept. The most controversial claim of Christianity the most controversial claim of Christianity is what we're going to talk about today. I had this thought uh, during this week when I was prepping. Could, could you imagine being Jesus's PR guy? Think about this. In case you don't know what I'm talking about, public relations, you know, celebrities and athletes, they'll have these people and their job is to help communicate, you know, publicly for them. So whether it's a social media post or whatever it might be, their job is like, if, if they need to say something, they help them say it well. Or if they say something stupid, their job is to kind of help them, you know, figure all that out and, and put out a statement that kind of rights their wrong. 
And I cannot imagine. Now, Jesus didn't have a PR guy. There wasn't social media. Jesus wasn't on Twitter or TikTok. But, but had he been, I can't imagine somebody trying to be the PR guy for him because Jesus was constantly saying crazy things. All the time, he was saying things that not only shocked the audience, but shocked his disciples, okay? You know, it'd be like if I was up here preaching and I said something that was shocking to you, but if all of a sudden you saw that Darla was shocked, you'd be like, uh-oh, we got a problem, right? Like, even, even she's a little worried about what he's talking about. So, I, I mean, he would say things like, you know, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. He would say things like, the last shall be first. He would say things like, you know, uh, the meek will inherit the earth. He would just say things that were a little crazy, but when he said this, when he said, no one comes to the Father except through me, it was a different level of controversy. When Jesus made that claim, when he made that statement, he put Christianity in a class of its own. When he said that, he separated Christianity from all other religions. So you had Every other religion, and Jesus said this, and all of a sudden, Christianity got moved into a class of his own, because here's what he was saying. He was clearly stating, listen, that all roads do not lead to God. That's what he was saying. Very clear, that all roads do not lead to God. See why I was a little bit controversial? Listen, in the year 2000, Barna Research did this. They put out this, this research that they had where they said that one out of every four uh, born-again believers, so 25% of born-again believers. Now, this was 20 years ago, but you know, judging by the way that our culture has gone, I would say that this number is probably even higher today. But 20 years ago, 25% of born-again Christians believed that it didn't matter which faith you followed because they all teach the same lessons. They all end up the same way. So 25% of born-again believers, and they went on to say that 56% of non-believers, okay? So 56% of people who don't believe in Jesus say, hey, doesn't matter which faith you follow. They all end up, all the water goes to the same river, doesn't matter. And then 25% of actual born-again believers said, hey, I believe the same thing. But, but, but what Jesus was doing here is Jesus was coming to make it very clear that his way was exclusive. Jesus made statements all the time that showed his exclusiveness. Jesus did not say that he was going to show us a way. He said he was the way, right? He, he didn't promise that he was going to teach us a truth. He said that he is the truth. He didn't offer us secrets to life. He said he is the life. Jesus made the remarkable statement that there is one God and that there was one mediator between God and man, and it was him. He made it very clear. All roads do not lead to God. He said, I am the only Way. I'm the, I'm the only way. He separated Christianity from everybody else by making this claim that all faith does not follow the same way. All the waters don't end up in the same river. All religions don't get you to heaven. Jesus said, I am the only way you can get to God. 
So here's the question that most people are asking today. And I don't know that it's talked about enough, to be honest with you. And the question is this, why is Jesus the only way? Why? I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Why is Jesus the only way? Well, well I got to give you a little bit of information before we get there. So, so first, let's start this. If you're journaling, write John 14, 6. Just write that reference, John 14, 6. Because if you ever get into this conversation, you can say, hey, this is one. Now, there's multiple scriptures throughout the word where Jesus gives different sayings to this. But, but John 14, 6 is where we're at because we're in John. And again, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one. No one. Like I said, in Greek, it says what? No one. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now watch this. Most people believe that Jesus is a legitimate way to get to God. They believe that he is one of the legitimate ways to get to God, but they also believe that other faiths have their legitimate ways to get to God as well, right? So, so, so again, they believe when you talk about Jesus, they're like, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Jesus is a way to get to God, but they also believe that other different religions and faiths have their legitimate ways to get to God as well. And Jesus is saying, hey, there's only one way to God. And this right here is the biggest struggle when it comes to Christianity for most people is how exclusive it is. This is where the struggle begins, especially for, for young Christians and new Christians, for a culture where we're all trying to get along and everybody's got their own feelings, everybody's got their own emotions, everybody's got their own perspective. This has become the biggest struggle. The biggest struggle for the modern Christian is the exclusiveness of Christianity. Why? Here's why. Most people don't want to be offensive. We, we just talked last week that you're supposed to love everybody as Jesus loved you. So it's natural that we don't want to be offensive. We, we don't want to come off arrogant. We don't want to be a bigot, especially, watch this, to sincere people, nice people. It's different when you're talking to like, you know, a jerk, right? It's kind of like, well, I can't wait to tell him that his way goes, you know what I mean? But, but when it's a nice person, uh, I have a really good friend of the Muslim faith that I work, or I don't work out with him, but I see him often at the gym, and he's a great guy. As far as I can tell, he's a great husband. He seems like a really great dad. He's a sincere dude. And it's hard for us when we are looking at somebody, a coworker, a friend, or somebody we're talking to who's actually a nice person, it's hard for us to say something when we feel like we're going to be arrogant or we feel like we're going to be mean or we feel like we're going to be snobbish. Watch this. So we set out to be Christians while being inclusive of all religions, right? We, we want to be Christians, but we also want to say, hey, but you can believe that as well. But early Christians, Christians insisted then, and it's the truth today, that in order to worship Christ, you have to worship Christ alone. In order to worship Christ, you have to worship Christ alone. Understand that in the day that the Bible was written in Jesus' day, idolatry was very fashionable, okay? 
idolatry was very normal. It was, it was actually kind of smiled upon. Like it was, so, so let me kind of give you the scenario of what it would have looked like back then. Back then, people had gods for everything. So they had a God for the sun, and they had a, you know, they'd go to the God and pray for the sun. They had a God they'd go and pray to for rain. They had a God they'd go and pray to for love. They had all these gods. So you could walk into a room, and it was very normal to walk into a room, and it would look like a trophy case. It would just be all these different gods that they worship. Like, yeah, you know, this is the God for sun. This is the God for rain. This is the God for Nutella. You know, this is the God, like, like whatever, just all these different gods, and it was just one room. So because of that, when somebody showed up and said, hey, I've got a God, they wouldn't go, no, get your God out of here. They would say, oh, add it to the group. Just, just, and there's an empty spot right there on the top right. Just put him up there. It, it was so inclusive. Like, yeah, bring your God. What God are you worshiping? Bring him too. So much that there was actually a God there that was called the God of no name. Think about it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like they, they worship so many different gods. They have a God there that they don't even know what it's for but they're worshiping it. So it's just this room of gods. So when somebody came and said, hey man, I believe in this. They said, oh, it's fine. Come on. You can believe that. I believe this. We'll all do it together. And it's great. And God says, no, 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 no. His very first command is that you shall have no other gods. What? Above me. He says, I'm the first. I'm the last. I'm the only. Here's what God was saying. I'm not a God. I'm the God, right? So he's saying, you can't bring me into this room and put me on the shelf. This is exactly the same thing Jesus was saying. He's saying, I'm not coming here to continue what it is that you're doing. I'm coming here to do something totally new. I'm coming so that you understand that this does not work, that there is one God, and you can't worship all of these gods and that God. It doesn't work this way. There's only one way to God. It's Jesus, and that's it. But you and I live in a pluralistic culture, which means that many are looking for ways to be able to embrace other religions without giving up Christianity. How can, how can I embrace all these other religions and all these other faiths and all these other beliefs and still keep Christianity? In 1993, Vanderbilt University opened up something called the All Faith Chapel. Uh, it may be open today. I'm not sure. But you went into the chapel of students there that went to school that could go in there, and there were all these different like drawers, and you pulled out whatever drawer uh, related to the to the religion that you believe. So you know, if you were you know you believed in uh, if you were a Buddhist or you, you believed in you know if you were a Muslim, whatever it might be, you were Christian. You go pull out that drawer, and in that drawer would be some paraphernalia and, and whatever book you know might be the the Quran or the Bible, whatever. And you'd pull that out and kind of set your you know it might be a cross in there or a mat for prayer, whatever it is, and you set that up, and then you prayed to your God in that chapel, because that chapel, again, was built to be able to be inclusive of all religions. Listen to me. We are in a diverse country, right? We have all kinds of different ethnicities. We have all kinds of different culture, and it's great. It's incredible. But because of that, we have all kinds of different religions, right? Which causes you and I to feel arrogant, claiming that ours is superior to theirs. I, I get it. I've had the same thoughts before. There's all these different cultures and religions. And watch this. Most of the religions, we don't even understand. We don't fully understand what they believe or what they don't believe. Or what, and so we find ourselves in a place where I want to say something, but I feel a little arrogant saying that my way is superior 
to theirs. Anybody ever been there? Yeah? Okay. All right. So I want to give you a thought that, it, that, again, if you can, please end up writing this in your journal because I think it'll be priceless for you down the road. Down the road. Christianity would be snobbish. It would be arrogant. It would be offensive. It would be bigotry. It would be all these things if there were multiple ways to God and yet we were claiming that ours was the best. Okay? In case you've ever thought, man, I don't want to share Christianity. I don't want to talk about Christianity because I, I don't want to come off snobbish. I don't want to come off arrogant. It would be snobbish if there were multiple ways. I was talking to a guy the other night during setup, and we were talking about clothes. And he was talking about how he had cowboy boots. And I was talking about how I don't have cowboy boots. And we were just going back and forth through the different fashion, my fashion, his fashion. And listen, fashion is fashion. There is no right way. There is no wrong way. I, there may be, but you know what I'm saying. My, my point was, is that I, we weren't, we, you know, had, had I said, you need to dress like me, then that would be snobbish. Had he said, cowboy boots are better than tennis shoes, then, then that may have been arrogant because there are multiple ways. And if there were multiple ways to get to God, then yes, we would be snobbish. And we would be arrogant to stand up and say that our way is superior. But the truth is, Jesus is either the son of God or he's not. Right? He's either the savior of the world or he's not. You're not snobbish if it's the only way to heaven. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say tomorrow you and your best friend, think about who your best friend is, get them, get them, get them in your mind, all right, because it's going to really be important in this illustration. You and your best friend decide you're going to fly to Cabo for the week, have a little vacation. I don't even know what Cabo is, but it sounds, always sounds great. And you're going to fly there for vacation. And so you get on the airplane and you're flying and the pilot comes over the, the microphone thing and he says, hey, we've got some problems and it looks like we're going to crash. The plane is going to crash. Um, good news is that we don't think anybody will die from it, but there will be some major damage to the plane. So just stay buckled up and get ready, right? Very intense. So apparently Tom Hanks is the pilot. And so they end up, the, the, the plane crashes, you know, it, it, there's, there's fire, all these different things, but you are physically okay. And so then the pilot comes up on the microphone again and he says, listen to me, all, there's, there's five or six exits. Uh, five of them have been either damaged or have fire around them. So there is one exit in the back of the plane, left side. There's nothing wrong with it. It is the only way that you can get to safety. Okay, everybody following with me? Now, if you looked over to your friend and your friend said, I don't think he's telling the truth. I'm going after the one in the front. Do you think you would be snobbish to say to him, no, <laughs> or to say to her, no, this is the only way. He said it. I believe him. He knows more. This is the only way that we can get out of here safely. You don't stop and go, I don't want to be arrogant to my friend, <laughs> right? I don't want to come off you know, snobbish to my friend. Your concern is that there's only one way to get to safety. And if you don't say something, they're not going to go that way. So you got to speak up and be able to say, listen, it's not about my way. It's his way. And it's the only way. Either Jesus is the only way or he's not. Either he's Lord or he's a lunatic, right? Hear me. Two plus two cannot be four and five, right? It 
It can't be four, five, seven, 34. It has to be one. It's four. It's what it is. So when we start to kind of want to be inclusive of all religions, it's the same way of us saying, hey, man, two plus two to me is four. But you just, whatever it is to you, let it be. I was talking to my 10-year-old the other night. She said, we got new math. I was like, what's wrong with the old math? Has two plus two changed? Because if it has, then we need new math, right? If now all of a sudden it's 37 and a half, then something needs to happen. But if it's still four, right? So, so to us, two plus two is four. It, it can't be five to her and four to me. And it's the same way when it comes to the way to get to God. Either he's the way or he's not. But you can't be whatever you want it to be. We are conditioned by our culture to think of religion as a personal preference. You've got yours, and I've got mine. And there is no right one. Whatever you want to believe, cool, you believe it. Whatever I believe, cool, I'll believe it. And in the end, we'll all end up together. Doesn't work that way. There is a reason that Jesus is the only way. Let's go back to John chapter 14. Jesus is going to say something that sets this, sets Christianity, sets him apart. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Philip, don't you know me? Even after I have been among you such a long time, watch this, walk with me here. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Now, I was kind of referring to this over the past few weeks, how when Jesus speaks, he only speaks God's words. And when he does, he only does what God would do because Jesus is literally saying this and he's explaining it. When you see me, you see the Father. We're one. When you see me, you see the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? How can you say, say show us the Father as if we're separate? Because when you see me, you see the Father. He says, don't you believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me? Do you believe that? The words I say to you, watch this, I do not speak on my own authority. Jesus says, I've never said anything that wasn't the words of God. I'm not just walking around doing what Jesus wants to do. What would Jesus do is technically WWG do, GD. What would God do? Jesus says, I'm in him and he's in me. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Christianity is the only religion where the founder taught that he is God. It's the only religion where the founder of it taught that he is God, that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Other religious leaders said, I'll show you a way to find truth, right? Jesus said, I am the truth. Other religious leaders said, I'll show you the way to find life. And Jesus said, I am life. Other religious leaders would say, hey, I can help you find the door to God. Jesus said, I am the door. It was the only religion where the founder is teaching, hey, 
I am God. He's the only uh, religious leader that died and then rose again. The only one. The founder of Buddhism, still in the grave. The founder of Islam, still in the grave. The only religious leader. Watch this. This is my favorite part. The only religious leader that said he was going to die and rise again and then did it. And I don't know about you, but when somebody says they're going to die and resurrect and then they do it, you believe everything else they say. Right? When they do that, there seems to be some type of confidence in everything else that they say. And so when Jesus says, I am the only way to God, the reason why you believe it is because of his death burial, and resurrection. And if you're in here and you say, man, I don't, I don't know about this resurrection thing. Uh, there, there was a sermon in this series probably six or eight weeks ago where I talked about it and kind of the evidence of it. If you can go back and find it. That kind of sets up how you know you can believe the resurrection. Just, you know, you can watch the movie, The Case for Christ. Read the book, The Case for Christ. There's so much evidence out there, both, both philosophical and both uh, medical. All this evidence that supports and proves the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when he says he's going to die, and he says he's going to rise again, therefore, now you believe him. And when he says the Father's in me, and I'm in the Father, you believe him. And if he's the only religious leader that ever claimed to actually be God, then when he says, I'm the only way, you believe him. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Veda came downstairs. Y'all have heard me talk about this before. My 10-year-old my is into Fortnite right now. She loves Fortnite. And there's like V-Bucks and things on Fortnite where you spend money and you get, st- I don't know how it works, but they get stuff. And so she comes downstairs and she says, Dad, Dad, can I have, you know, $8 or whatever it is to get some V-Bucks? Well, because of Christmas, Darla and I had decided that this month we weren't going to spend any money. We were going to just, you know, budget, whatever we eat, food, gas, all that, but no extra money. We were going to live like we didn't have any money just to kind of build up some, some cushion after Christmas. So she comes down, she says that, and I said, Veda, we don't have any money. She's like, what? I was like, I, was like, I don't have any money to give you. And she goes, oh, well... I've got money on my chore chart because they get paid a little bit of money to do chores. I said, but you don't understand. That chore chart money comes from me and I don't have any money. To which then she replies, well, what if I just worked the chores? What if you went ahead and paid me for like the next two or three months of chores? And then when I do those chores, you don't have to, she'll be a lawyer when she grows up. She's like, you don't, you don't even have to pay me for that. And I said, you don't understand. It's not about, I don't have the money. And then she said, well, what if you just went and got it out of the bank? I said, I'm the one that puts it in the bank. I don't have any money. Someone, all this, someone has to be able to pay you for that. And I don't have it. And here's what she said. I'll get, leave you with this. As she, she goes, well, then why am I even doing chores? Because so, you're fixing to go meet Jesus. That's why you're doing chores. But the truth is this. Someone had to pay for the price of sin. Someone has to do it. The religious leaders couldn't do it. Jesus is the only one who could and did. He's the only one who could 
And he's the only one who did. And he's the only way to God. Now, I want to give you a little opportunity to breathe because this has been a little heavy. I get it. Sometimes we laugh a lot more in here. Because when you come out of a sermon like last week that's all about love, 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 it's kind of hard for us to say, well, it's almost like you're asking me to do two different things. It's like you're asking me to love everybody, but then come with this exclusiveness of Christianity. And I want to I show you something real quick before we close that, that will help you breathe just a little bit, and that's this, that Jesus is exclusively inclusive. He, he's exclusively inclusive. So John 14, 23 and 24 say this. Jesus replied, what's that word right there? Can you see it? Say it, say it. Anyone. Y'all want to know what that is in the Greek? Anyone. Y'all getting some Greek education today. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who loves me. My father will what? Love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus is found saying things like anyone and whomever and whoever and all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Christianity is the most inclusive religion. So much that early people who observed Christianity, here was their critique. You ready? It's like they'll take anybody. I love that. Jesus says, hey, I'm the only way, but anybody can go this way. I'm not exclusive when it comes to the way. I'm inclusive. Anybody, everybody. There is no racial no social, no intellectual, or no economic criteria that prevents anyone from joining God's family. Anyone. Well, I wasn't racist. Anyone. Red and yellow, black and white. Anyone. It doesn't matter. Jesus says, whomever. Hey, I, I thought this was really interesting. Listen to this. A Christian can keep the native language and their culture, and follow Jesus in the midst of it. Which means when I go to Africa or Costa Rica or whatever, I don't have to tell people, hey, if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to change this, you need to change that, you need to change this. You can keep your negative native language. You can, you can wear skinny jeans and get to heaven. You can have tattoos and get to heaven. You can have hair gel or a bone through your nose. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what culture you're, it doesn't matter. Jesus is open for anyone and everyone. Slave or free, rich or poor, man or woman, Greek or barbarian, all are accepted under this common truth that Jesus Christ is the only way. Anyone. Everyone.
when you start kind of breaking down all these different religions, you know, you'll start to kind of discover different things. Islam has you do certain things so that you can experience paradise. And a lot of them are about kind of gaining your own divinity. A lot of them are about works and how good you are. And at some point, Christianity kind of fell into that. Because listen to me, when we start saying that Christianity is just like every other religion, then it takes on the culture of every other religion. And so when every other religion is about how well you can perform, then Christianity kind of becomes that too. And when religion is about you acting a certain way so that you can get a certain thing and can be better, then you start to adapt that too. But I did a lot of studying of all these different religions over the past couple of weeks in preparation for this message. And when I look at every other religion and then I look at Christianity, there's one thing different that really blew my mind. And it's this, that every other religion is about numerous ways for us to reach out to God. And Christianity is the only religion where God reaches out to us through Jesus. So listen, Jesus is the only way. He's the only way. All roads don't lead to God. He's the only way. Why is he the only way? Because he's the only founder who claimed to be God. He's the only leader that predicted his death and resurrection and then did it. Because he's the one who paid the price for sin. That's why he's the only way. But listen to me, for those of you that have wrestled with it because you feel like it's bigotry or snobbish or arrogant, I understand. I get it. I'm with you. I'm still trying to figure out how to share Christianity with my friend at the gym. I understand. But the truth is that Jesus is inclusive to everyone and anyone. And I think if there was ever a, a, a sentence that I needed to use to be able to present Christianity over Hinduism or over Buddhism or over Islam, over everything, it would be this, that your religion is about how you get to God. It's all about how you get to God. Well, if I do enough of this, if I do enough of that, I'll climb this ladder and I'll get there and I'll just by the seat of, what is it, by the, the hem of my pants or whatever, I'll get in there. And Christianity is the only religion where God says, you stay where you are. Don't do anything. I'm sending my son to you. And I'm going to allow him to be crucified and die for you. That even while you were yet sinners, Jesus died knowing you may never believe in him. And he was still willing to die for you just in case. Just in case. It's the only religion where God comes to you. So back to my airplane illustration. <laughs> You're sitting on that seat with your friend. And you know the pilot said that this exit is the only way. But this exit doesn't really look like there's any fire around it. And this one looks like it's working. And you're kind of in that, like, I don't really know which way to go. I'm a little, uh, and your friend's talking about going that way. And you're like, I don't really want to offend him. Uh, and all of a sudden, you hear this, boom. And you turn around, and Jesus has just kicked one of the doors in. 
and he walks over and picks you up with one hand and picks your friend up with the other hand and walks you to the exit. You don't got to figure it all out. God came to you through Jesus. And so for everybody that's watching, for any person that's here, if you've never accepted Christ, if you've never believed in Jesus, this is your day to understand that God loved you so much that he didn't wait for you to come to him. He didn't wait for you to figure it all out. He didn't wait for you to polish yourself off. He didn't wait for you to do, watch this, what you'll never be able to do. He sent Jesus to take on your sin so that with simply believing, you could have eternal life with God. And so before I pray, I just want to encourage you again, if you're watching or if you're in here, that same number that you texted, if you say, hey, I, I, I want to start this relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I, I want to, I believe in him. I believe what you said. And I really, really want to kind of start this whole Christian walk thing out. If you're online, text that number. I'd love to reach out to you and say, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's what we can do. If you're in this room, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to just talk to you for a second after service and say, hey, here's what I'm learning. Here's how we can help be a part of your life as you take that walk. But please be confident when you walk out of this room that Jesus is the only way. Don't worry about being snobbish. Don't worry about it. Now, don't go be a jerk. But if you need something to say, tell them. Every other religion is about you getting to God. And Christianity is about God getting to you. I think that will take the wall down just a little bit. Amen. Father, we thank you right now for your word that is so real, it's so true. Oh, like you said, it's piercing, piercing like a two-edged sword. And I just thank you that, it, that it's so evident in how we need to move. It's so illustrated in what we need to know. Father, I just pray for two people. The person in here who loves you, who believes in you, who's following you, but they've always struggled with that thought. And I pray that just by your grace, and your Holy Spirit, I was able to explain it just a little bit, just a little bit, so they feel a little bit more confident about being able to believe that and say it. For the person who was in here or watching online that is not a believer of you, they weren't a follower of Christ, I pray that something happened today. Your word says that if we lift you up, you'll draw all men. So what's happening in their heart and their spirit is not because of anything I said, it's because of you and your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, I pray they'd be moved. I pray they'd be moved to say, hey, I want to start a relationship with Jesus, and we'd be able to help them, help them show them what discipleship looks like and how to be able to, to really grow in that relationship, Father. Thank you. Thank you that you didn't wait for us to get it all together. Thank you that you sent Jesus just in case. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.